Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? If I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Travis Irvine. Hello, Ben. Hello, Travis. And Fernando. Hi, Ben. How you doing, Fernando? I'm good, Ben. Thanks. I am excited for this episode. We have a lot to talk about. We're going to discuss... The ever-looming surveillance state, it increases in these fine United States. We will continue our conversation about human rights and civil liberties, as we always do on this show. We will also talk a little bit about what's going on in Texas, both when it comes to the Haitian refugee crisis and when it comes to the Texas abortion ban. That bill is now being challenged, mm-hmm. and we will talk a little mm-hmm. bit about some of those challenges. What does it mean going forward? And we'll pepper in a couple of other fun stories before that as well. But before all of that, let's start with a segment called Take This Job and Shove It. Boom, boom, <laughs> boom. This woman, I absolutely love her. Her name is Beth McGrath. Hero of the week. Hero of the week. I know that's a side story segment, but today she is hero of our hearts. Mm -hmm. Beth McGrath, she did the thing everyone wants to do. Mm -hmm. She grabbed the megaphone at Walmart. Uh She'd been working there many, many years. Mm. Tired, exhausted from the unbelievable amount of work trying to find old people diapers. (laughs) It's hard. Yes, there's a lot of aisles. She also worked in electronics, which is extra hard because Mm -hmm. you got a bunch of people being like, my kid wanted Pokemon. Are you a Pokemon? (laughs) And what a nightmare that is. You can imagine having to deal with everyone going into Walmart, trying to find the newest video game system for their kid. And then they just end up coming out Mm. with, I don't even know, a Magnavox VCR. (laughs) Who knows? But nonetheless, this woman, Beth McGrath. She took to the microphone and she announced, take this job and shove it. She filmed it. You can tell she was quite nervous before this. Yeah. This was really her standing up to the man. And we applaud her on this show for standing up to the man. So let's just play Beth McGrath doing what all of us fantasize doing, quitting your job in a dramatic fashion. All right, you can see Beth is a little nervous here. This she's, is a big moment. She's pensive because she she's is. holding a pen. <laughs> you are unbelievably talented, Travis. <laughs> All right, here we go. Come on, Beth, you can do it. You got this. Here we go. Attention, Walmart shoppers and associates. My name is Beth from Electronics. I've been working at Walmart for almost five years, and I can say that everyone here is overworked and underpaid. The attendant policy is bullshit. We are treated for management and customers poorly every day. Whenever we have a problem with it, we're told that we're replaceable. I'm tired of the constant gaslighting. Mm -hmm. This company treats their elderly associates like shit. To Jared, our store manager, you're a pervert. Greta and Kathy, shame on y'all for treating your associates the way you do. I hope you don't speak to your families the way you speak to us. Shout out to Kamonique, Patty, Shardell, and so many more. Aww. Walmart doesn't deserve y'all. Fuck manage it and fuck this job. I quit. 
Woo! Take this job and shove it. Boom, boom, boom. We ain't working here no more. Ain't working here no more. Jared, our store manager, you're a pervert. (laughs) What an unbelievable video. Apparently, Beth is a little bit overwhelmed. She was not expecting this video to go viral. As a matter of fact, this is what she said in a new post. She says, I never intended for the video to blow up the way it did. It's been an emotional roller coaster for me, and I am just at a loss for words. She goes on to say, I didn't record the video for clout. I recorded the video for my fellow coworkers to let them know that I do love them and I do want what's best for them. I wanted to be their voice. I wanted to be my voice. And Beth, dare I say, what a powerful voice you have. And that's a reminder to everyone out there. You have a voice. You have the right to human dignity and respect. And Walmart, certainly a corporation that needs to be taking care of their employees better. So anyone who wants to say that she was in the wrong, well, I think she is just a proper symptom of a massive disease that is corrupt corporate capitalism as we see it play out right in front of our eyes every day. The only thing that trickles down is the cost. So Beth McGrath, thank you so much for standing up for your fellow coworkers mm-hmm. and for standing up for workers around the country. And dare I say, because this is on the internet, around the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a tale as old as time. Yeah. And this is a narrative that everyone can get behind, whether you be an outlaw country fan like myself mm-hmm. or a working class, whatever, any working class person, any human being who has ever struggled at the hands of an oppressive boss can relate to exactly what Beth was saying. So I just thought that story was pretty uplifting. And no matter what, she's going to have a career in something because uh, she's got the gift to gab and she doesn't <laughs> care um, about uh, pulling punches. And right? I think that's really great. It's almost like she saw Jim Brewer on Hannity and was like, I need to watch earlier Jim Brewer and channel that. And she went and watched <laughs> Half Baked and got the whole, fuck you, fuck Ooh. you, you're cool, <laughs> you're I'm cool. out. Who's uh, coming with me? Yes, indeed. Jim Brewer on Hannity, uh, whatever that experience was. <laughs> no. Everyone is, uh, and I'm very sympathetic. I have a lot of grace because the pandemic sucks. COVID mm-hmm. sucks, we right. know. And everyone's reaction is a little bit different. But of course, Jim Brewer... Um, he seems exhausted. He seems very exhausted, <laughs> but, anyway. but half baked. He was still with it. My he, God. Technically, that was him at his most at sober. His, yes. yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about some positive ish. I'm going to go with positive ish news mm-hmm. regarding Amazon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is another big. Right. So people is- just said, whoa, what happened, Ben? You just said positive <laughs> and Amazon in the same sentence. <laughs> this is why. And I want to hear your thoughts because I know there's always a agenda and there's always uh, nefarious reasons behind Mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. appears to be something in my personal opinion that is good. In this case, Amazon is lobbying the government to legalize marijuana. So this is what Amazon said this past week. Pre-employment marijuana testing has disproportionately affected communities of color by stalling job placement and by extension economic growth. And we believe this inequitable treatment is unacceptable. So that means we are currently living in a world where Amazon (laughs) is uh, claiming the moral high ground. And technically, they're right. What? When it comes to the federal government's prohibition on marijuana, Amazon, even a broken clock is right six times a day. You (laughs) know what I say. (laughs) 
technically Amazon is in the right here. But Fernando, why do you think they're pushing for legalization of marijuana? Is this really because they have a change of heart or are the reasons a little bit more uh, self-serving? They don't care about the employees. This is probably some sort of insurance move. You know, on the back end is, uh, as we spoke about in the past few weeks, Mm -hmm. there's a hard time getting employees right now. Mm -hmm. No one wants to. I mean, people want to work, but the conditions aren't there for them to work in those in those locations. Exactly. I I don't ever want to say people don't want to work. No, people want to work. The situation is just isn't optimal for them. It's not safe or they're not being paid enough. Right. So this is. You know, this is Amazon just trying to eat it from both ends, trying to get in with everybody. Ooh, yeah, tell me more. <laughs> trying to get get in good because uh, the PR right now on Amazon is bad, I would say. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, they also just got that huge NSA contract as we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. I mean, you got to think maybe they're trying to use their government connections to kind of self-serve their own private ambitions. Absolutely. It's extremely possible. And of course, if you look at some of the conditions that that Fernando um, alluded to, Amazon has a 80% higher amount of injuries than any of its competitors when it comes to their warehouses. Amazon warehouses injuries are 80% higher than its competitors. A union-backed study of safety data found Amazon workers had 5.9 serious injuries per 100 people. And again, that is almost 80% higher than the rest of the industry. Uh, The study's organizers blamed Amazon's, quote, obsession with speed. Mm. And of course, uh, there's a series of different stories we've heard about Amazon and how they treat their employees. Uh, The company has apologized for falsely denying its drivers use of facilities, which means that drivers were forced to urinate in plastic bottles. There was a whole bunch of issues when it comes to the company being accused of cutting corners when it comes to COVID safety. As a matter of fact, New York sued Amazon over deficient COVID responses. And there's a new study that comes from the Strategic Organizing Center, a.k.a. SOC. Ooh, fun. (laughs) Isn't that fun? It's a coalition of labor unions. It uh, analyzed, it analyzed (laughs) workplace safety from 2017 to 2020, and it found that workers at Amazon warehouses are not only injured more frequently than non-Amazon warehouses, they're also injured more severely. Workers were forced to take off time for injuries and were absent for an average of 46.3 days, it said, a week longer than the average across warehouse industries. Um, So Amazon, it is very nice Mm. that you say, let them be stoned. Sure. But we also have to make sure that they're safe. Yeah. I mean, if you're hurt, I guess being stoned is kind of helpful in some kind of way. Yeah, perhaps. Which really brings, nails my point. This is all insurance based. Mm-hmm. Because now, say it, insurance is legal on a federal scale, then they aren't covered. You know, because like, if you know, uh, Amazon isn't covered because they if they're not testing for it or, sure. you know, so it's a it's yes. just a move. So this is a money move from them to basically protect themselves. Wow. Because it, insurance isn't going to cover weed issues. Well, anymore. you make a great point. Also, Amazon pushing back. They have said they have invested more than one billion dollars in order to create more safety in the workplace. But I have a feeling that billion dollars was mostly going towards litigation, perhaps automation, (laughs) but also just covering their own hide. Uh, Because again, as we've seen, the Amazon warehouses need to be improved 
despite the fact there are some good things happening, such as, again, getting rid of the prerequisite when it comes to the unbelievably atrocious drug testing. And also Amazon has said they are going to raise, I believe, the minimum wage mm-hmm. to $18 an hour now. Again, for their warehouse workers. For right. their warehouse workers. Again, it's a multi-multi-billion dollar hmm. company that could, of course, even increase that number. <laughs> increase yeah, it a bit like 20, higher. $25, something around there. Something around there. Otherwise, Beth McGrath, <laughs> she's going to grab the microphone again. Right. Well, Beth McGrath has to have a reality show where she goes to every single warehouse, grabs the microphone, <laughs> yes. and just... Just yells at all the management and then says goodbye. Hi, does her part. Yeah, I wonder if the Amazon warehouses even have PA systems for in order for people to rage quit like that. Probably not. Uh, That's yeah. a great point. <laughs> Probably not. This is what Amazon had to say regarding all of the accidents. They say, well, any incident is one too many. We are continuously learning and seeing improvements through ergonomic programs, guided exercises at employees' workstations, mechanical assistant equipment, mm. workstation setup and design, and forklift telematics and guardrails, just to name a few. The uh, They also pointed towards its new uh, program called the Working Well Program. Oh. It's something that Jeff Bezos highlighted when he was talking to his uh, shareholders. <laughs> so there you go. You know, everything is just fine in no way. In no way is it uh, an absolute devastating life to be forced in to uh, the labor camp that is Amazon. Although, again, it is good that they are paying their workers a little bit more. This is according to a pamphlet. Now, this pamphlet, mm. if, once, once you get the job at Amazon, <laughs> oh. you get a pamphlet, right? It's in the Fine. packet. It's in the, it's in the packet, right? <laughs> and do you know what they call their employees? Um, can you guess? Can you guess? Can you guess? No, Fernando knows. Guess. Um, fun, fun times employees. Fun time employees. <laughs> no, they're called industrial athletes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> So this is according to the pamphlet. This is all real. Again, this is a, this, oh my goodness gracious. Okay. The pamphlet warns, it says, just like an athlete who trains for an event, industrial athletes need to prepare their bodies to be able to perform their best at work. Oh my God. Is this written by the communist government of China? What is happening? Here's some helpful words. Here's some big time nice words that you can use, such as I'm sorry, yes sir, no ma'am, okay. Um, the pamphlet goes on to say, some positions will walk up to, this is totally true, some positions will walk up to 13 miles a day. Oh my God. And will have a total of 20,000 pounds lifted before they complete their shift. <sighs> the pamphlet is from a Tulsa warehouse. It also offers employees tips on health and fitness. It encourages exercise on days off and says a good diet to fuel the 400 calories an hour the company expects employees to burn wow. and tips on buying shoes to fit swollen feet from the active working environment. Wow. Jesus. This would be... What a nightmare. <laughs> exactly. This is a Take nightmare. Take this job yeah, right. and, and shove it. it. Boom, boom. But if they were a good company, Ben, if they paid their employees well, if we heard mm-hmm. about them being one of the most amazing companies to work for, this would all be amazingly good things. Sure. The issue is just that they don't pay their employees well and they don't treat them well. Absolutely. Again, I completely agree. Again, in a company blog post, they've said, we will no longer include marijuana in our comprehensive drug screening program for any positions not regulated by the Department of Transportation and will instead treat it as the same as alcohol use. So that is a good thing. 
But again, there is a lot of work that has to be done as these uh, industrial athletes are more, have a higher risk of being injured on the job than real athletes who play in the NFL. I won't deny that these people are athletes because of the... the I agree with what you just described. No, I I know, but it's just such a freaking obnoxious term it's such it's how about a human beings it's yeah. just as bad as when a company calls you family we're family here oh, olive garden industrial <laughs> family well that's different that's for the customers well i'm a, i always when i go to my applebee's i think of them as family super oh. salad right mm-hmm. super salad mm-hmm. <laughs> but no of course i completely hear what you're saying all right well let's move on a little bit when it comes to again uh capitalism in its truest form nothing right. better Right. But of course, now we're in late stage corporate uh, crony capitalism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as we continue to see a select few make a lot of freaking <sighs> money, specifically off the aforementioned Amazon, Apple and Google. Two Fed presidents with insider knowledge of U.S. monetary policy sold millions of dollars in stock uh, when it comes to blue chip firms, including Amazon, mm-hmm. Apple and Google last year. I can't believe that this is... Um, this doesn't just happen rarely. Right. This is, I mean, we talked about Burr. We talked about, what was it, Loeffler? Loeffler from Georgia, Senator mm-hmm. from Georgia. They all had uh, stocks. Right. They were briefed on the COVID situation and that the economy was about to collapse, and they sold millions of dollars in their stocks. Absolutely. And other than Burr, who is going to resign, wasn't right. forced to quit. I think he's just done with politics. Right. And then Loeffler. She lost her race. She just lost her race, but neither of them were booted out. Exactly. And Robert, therein lies the problem. And therein lies the rub. Robert Kaplan, he is the president of the Dallas Federal Reserve mm-hmm. Bank. He traded millions of dollars in stock in companies such as the aforementioned Apple, Amazon, and Google. And then we had Eric Rosengren. He is the president of the Boston Fed. He uh, traded stocks in real estate investment uh, trusts, including Chevron, Pfizer, and Phillips 66. The trades were made last year during a time when the Fed took extraordinary steps to buoy the U.S. economy and stabilize financial markets. Now, evidently, Fed Reserve Chair Jerome Powell, he's ordered a sweeping review of the ethics rules, <laughs> and we will see what happens because I have a feeling they're all friends, and I'm not sure <laughs> right. how big the broom is right. when it comes to his sweeping review. Yeah, I mean, the Fed is already so uh, unaccountable. Unacc- <laughs> literally. Mean, good grief. If they're, uh, you know, we always talk about people who basically investigate themselves. When the police investigate <laughs> themselves, they find doing- another no, the rapid what i would be um i'm not okay with this no matter how i how i try to paint it but i'm less okay with this Mm -hmm. because right now the sec is also attacking this company ripple you know they're going tell me okay now you we have by the way this is a Fernando Shoehorn. <laughs> We've got crypto talk. Okay, what's going on with Ripple? So Ripple is basically, it's this company that t- started managing the XRP, which is a, a cryptocurrency. Okay. They're currently managing the XRP project. The issue, though, is the SEC is attacking them, saying that what they're selling isn't a cryptocurrency. What they're selling is a stock. So they're doing this. They're attacking this cryptocurrency specifically, kind of like as a... As a dog whistle, if you will. Okay. Because if they're able to win here, they're able to win another a bunch of other cases against other cryptocurrencies. So Ripple is the name of not just the alcohol that I would have to consume in order to invest in crypto, but it's also <laughs> the name of crypto. Mm. Yeah, it's the name of that one specifically, the Ripple. XRP. It's okay. the name of the company that manages Ripple. So okay. we, we move on. The issue is the, their claim, SEC is claiming that they're doing this to protect investors. Right. 
why aren't they going against the Fed then? You know, they're not protecting investors. They're protecting banks. They're protecting the bank interest. Absolutely. And so it's a cover up. And it bothers me because there we are all seeing the Fed chairs basically make millions and billions of dollars off of insider trading. Mm -hmm. And they're focusing on attacking public projects like wow. Ripple. And, and of course they always uh, they always pretend as if they're fighting for the little guy and gal and they right. never are. Well, and I remember Fernando brought this up a few weeks ago as well, the the Elizabeth Warren and with her new bill to give the IRS more teeth, mm-hmm. they are now just going after crypto basically. And yeah. and more importantly, small investors, not exactly. necessarily large banking investors, but small folks are just trying to make a buck off crypto. $600. <sighs> basically, if your bank account has more than $600, now the IRS is going to be involved in it. <sighs> 2000, what was it, the 2008 bailout? 2009 yeah, bailout? Right. We gave Wall Street a whole heap All of change. Over again. This is according to a statement from the Fed. They say, because the trust of the American people is essential for the Federal Reserve to effectively carry out our important mission, Chair Powell, late last week, directed board staff to take a fresh and comprehensive look at the ethics around permissible financial holdings and activities by senior Fed officials as if they don't know exactly <laughs> yeah. what is going there's on. 12 of them. Is there's literally going... 12 of them. <laughs> Whoa. Can you like, I can now that's a revelation to me. Right. I've never even thought about that before. What? They're taking a fresh look at the fed. Thank you so much. Right. Uh, how about we, uh, how about one of the first things you do is go ahead and audit yourselves. Please and, uh, uh, just let us know where all that money's been going. Well, we just did a quick audit. Turns out everything is fine, although we do need more toilet paper in the bathroom. Okay, yes, fair enough. Indeed. Here it is. All right. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, she has introduced legislation that would bar stock ownership by members of Congress, cabinet secretaries, and other high-ranking officials. Ooh, there you go. Okay, point it, for okay. Elizabeth Warren. Okay. We'll, because we have been sort of, she has not been doing great. Right. As of late. <laughs> but I do agree with that because it's just an obvious conflict of interest. And when we talk about um, when we just talk about the corruption of money in politics, mm-hmm. this would be one good way uh, to get rid of it. Of course, I'm sure Elizabeth Warren has a series of stocks herself. But nonetheless, <laughs> she is proposing it's probably this legislation. joint with her husband. It's the joint well, bank account. That's what they'll do. Right. That's, that's what Diane Feinstein, Feinstein, yeah. Diane Feinstein I don't even I don't watch the finances. It's like, oh, you don't, Senator? <laughs> you don't. You I have a feeling that you are in desperate need of control. Oh. So I have a feeling you do watch your own finances, Diane. Mm. I I want politicians involved in monetary policy. You know, I want them in, involved in understanding how the, the Fed makes money and things like that. Mm-hmm. You, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Justin Trudeau, you know, the prime minister of Canada. He won. He just retained his seat. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But they asked him about financial policy and he's like, forgive me, but I don't look into financial policy. As the country, you know, as Canada is experiencing some crazy stuff right now. Right. So, so that's uh, I don't want to see that. I know I don't We want to talk about the USA, but but, you know, no, of course. And we, we stick uh, domestically because uh, U.S. politics are endlessly fascinating, extremely confusing. So I can't even imagine going over up into Canada and figuring out what was going there. Of course, uh, Trudeau, uh, he was able to retain and he is now still they're really, really hunky. Unless he's wearing blackface, <laughs> prime minister. Uh, <laughs> he's just getting into character. Oh, come fun. on, guys. Fun. It's very Canadian, isn't it? <laughs> it is very Canadian. All right. Well, speaking of money and surveillance, mm. once again, these two things are exceptionally intertwined. 
the U.S. video surveillance market, it will surpass 21.8 billion bucks by the year 2026. According to assessments featuring profiles of Bosch, Henwa Techwin, Honeywell Security Group, and GeneTech, among others, have shown that the surveillance system market is going through the roof. It is currently, (laughs) as of 2020, it was $10.99 billion. Mm. And again, it's expected to reach $21.8 billion by 2026. Mm. That is not far away. Mm. And I Obviously, anyone that can do a small amount of math knows that that is dang near or just over double, double. what it is now. So we are talking five years. It's going to be doubled than what it is now. And I feel perfectly well surveilled already. <laughs> yeah. If I were a senator or a Fed chairman, I'd invest in those companies ASAP. I was well, going to say, I'm not a financial advisor and this isn't financial advice, but that sounds like a good investment. Yeah, an industry. Well, and as we talked about with the freaking bullshit speed cameras in Chicago, right. mm-hmm. where you got these private companies, they're making, I think it was 80%, yes. 85% yes. of oh, yeah. all the speeding tickets and all those tickets were going to that private company. This is going to be a boom. For surveillance state. And who is the surveillance state? Who runs those companies? Former CIA. Uh, It's all former CIA. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, you know, I know this guy, uh, Mike Baker. He has a private firm. He's formerly CIA. Brennan has a private firm. That's all this is. This is another money grab to former CIA for former intelligence people. All of those corporations. That's who's going to be getting this extra, uh, what, 11 billion bucks. Yeah. That's where all of this money is going to go. And that is why the CIA and people who worked in intelligence communities don't want to see Facebook broken up, Instagram Mm -hmm, broken up, mm -hmm. because those are data collection sources that are reservoirs that are so easy to fish in. Yes, That's why they want to keep all of that stuff. Yes, Leon Panetta, of course, I believe is lobbying on behalf of Facebook. Uh, You're absolutely right. John Brennan. I mean, as the United States continues to increase the taxpayer funding of these programs and of these systems and of these processes. You're absolutely right. The government will in turn hire more private corporations. Absolutely. And that is where, as you pointed out, we are in the latter stages of crony capitalism, corporatism, basically, which is mm-hmm. a merger of corporate power and state power. Absolutely. So the question is, where are they going to spend the money, Lebowski? Where is <laughs> the money? The, money? <laughs> the rising uh, adoption of facial surveillance is a vital factor that's going to be massive for the market. Uh, Detroit incorporated plug-in surveillance networks through its Project Greenlight program. With Project Greenlight, uh, businesses include CCTV cameras and connect them to the police headquarters. They further place a bright green light indication next to the cameras to imply they are part of the police network. Let that sink in a little bit. Mm -hmm. The police are now just directly, the CCTV cameras are just directly going into police departments. Mm. Is that what I'm hearing? I mean, this is absolutely insane. Uh, And again, this is Detroit's multi-million dollar system. It can scan live video from cameras located in businesses, schools, health clinics, and apartment buildings, therefore theoretically helping the police. Chicago and Detroit have both adopted facial recognition surveillance um, programs. And again, these are multi, multi multi-million dollar systems that a company is going to be making bank off of, specifically Amazon. Once again, Amazon announced the AWS Panorama technology. This enables integrators to work with the developer to easily create customized deep learning Air quotes, deep learning and video analytic apps for video surveillance cameras. 
regardless of the manufacturer. And that is all going to be AI-based. And as we know, when it comes to folks of color, the disparity Mm -hmm. when it comes to facial recognition, when it comes to them being like, the the robot said it was you. And you're like, it wasn't me, but the (laughs) robot said it was you. It literally has happened in court Mm -hmm. where the dude was on trial and then the defense attorney said, look at my client. Mm-hmm. And then like, look at who did it. Okay. And then the judge had to be like, yeah, that's a different guy. But the <laughs> AI was like, no, that's the same guy. Mm-hmm. And it took the human brain because just naturally, I think we want to believe the machines. Uh-huh. And even then the judge was like, oh, it is artificial. Mm. Oh, fine. It's definitely not you. They look completely different. So um, according to one of our favorite institutions, okay, the American Civil Liberties Union, uh, of Utah, as a matter of fact, in this case, they have privacy issues rising for more cameras. And obviously, these cameras record clearer details of people's daily lives. They go on to say also major industry verticals are trusting surveillance as a better platform for altering behavior of employees to yield better results. Corporate companies' surveillance tactics had extremely negative effects on employees resulting in the emergence of privacy issues, increased stress, loss of identity, and so on and so forth. But of course, the major question I think we have going forward as a society Mm. is when do we or how do we measure safety concerns Mm. and personal freedoms? I, again, don't feel as if humans have gotten that much more violent. Um, I feel fine. Right. Uh, obviously, I'm a six foot seven man, but it's not as if we don't have things in place that provide security, like the cell phone I'm staring at right now. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like it's a massive grab for corporations, again, like Amazon, Apple, mm-hmm. and Google, Facebook. It's such a massive power grab for them. Right. And we're not even talking about the fact that these companies, what are they making money off of? Us. Our data. And this is where Andrew Yang, before he did, (laughs) God knows what he did. I'm not sure what happened to Yang Gang. (laughs) But that's why we do need to have the conversation of, give me my money back. UBI, yep. Yep. Something that Travis said earlier really rang true for me, like about Amazon working with the government and thus setting this up. I mean, that's probably the master plan is, you know, the the people that are lobbying for these antitrust laws to be diminished or they're probably they they're saying we'll lobby for you now, but you just have to let us in later. A few years down the line, Amazon, you have to make sure you give us that data or Facebook or insert company name here. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know what I said about corporate power and state power merging into what is called corporatism that's actually Mussolini said that's what fascism is mm-hmm. it could just be called corporatism and Mussolini ladies and gentlemen was a fascist <laughs> so he would know but um, Ben and I have been talking about this too you know post uh, September 11th we've been dealing with this delicate balance of the last 20 years of yeah. civil liberties and still being secure in this country and now we've reached a point after 20 years post 9/11 that now the government is saying that the enemy is no longer Outside of our walls, it is within. And that is what a lot of this is about. Absolutely. And of course, again, the January 6th attack was horrible. And every single person involved with that needs to be held accountable. That being said, it should not provide rationale for the government, the FBI, the Christopher Rays of the world to now invade our personal privacy under the guise of terrorism. It's a tale, as we talk about all the time, as old as time. Is the government like listening to QAnon? 
I mean, this probably, <laughs> of course. I believe so, yeah. So some recent developments when it comes to these companies. Uh, in May of 2021, GeneTech Inc. announced an update to its camera registry module, 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 module. of GeneTech clearance. <laughs> Uh, this module allows cities and institutions to create digital public security programs that businesses, public agencies, and residents can enroll uh, in their investigations. Once participants register their cameras, detectives can quickly find cameras near the investigation and request records to facilitate evidence collection. In December of 2020, Hanwha Techwin, they signed an MOU with Bena Electronics and the Ministry of Military Production. This is in Egypt. Uh, the MOU states that Henwa Tekwin and the MMP will cooperate, expanding the reach of security solutions applications, particularly in video surveillance within Egyptian governmental organizations. So do you want America to be like Egypt. I uh, don't believe that we have the same issues mm. as Egypt. I don't think we're surrounded by enemies mm -hmm. like Egypt, and I don't think it is uh, in line whatsoever with the Constitution of mm -hmm. these United States. So as we mentioned, Christopher Wray and the FBI, they have said that terrorism cases have, quote, exploded in the last year. This is what he has to say. And when we talk about terrorism again, as Travis Irvine alluded to, we're talking domestic yep. terrorism. So take this with a grain of salt, but this is what Ray has to say, and we'll talk about it. He says, since the spring of 2020, so for the past 16, 18 months or so, we have more than doubled our domestic terrorism caseload from 1,000 to around 2,700 investigations. And we have surged personnel to match more than doubling the amount of people working that threat than the year before. So my question is, mm -hmm. have people gotten more extreme? Has domestic terrorism really been on the rise? Or again, is this the U.S. having to fulfill a whole bunch of contracts right. and having them spy on domestic citizens? It's almost like uh, local police have their quotas, right? Their monthly yes. quotas of how many people they got to pull over. Um, it's almost like now that they've expanded these domestic surveillance programs, these domestic terrorism programs and looking for it and finding it and trying to stop it, which obviously, like you pointed out with January 6th, there are examples. Of course. But 2,700 cases of domestic terrorism in this country, you got to wonder, is it actually happening or are they actually just making these domestic terrorists exactly. out of surveillance? A key tell for me in his statement was that the personnel. You know, yeah. It, yeah, it wasn't, oh, oh no, we had to catch up with cases. Like, no, we had all this personnel. Right. It know? wasn't backlogged. Yeah. It was just like, oh, now we're discovering more. Exactly. exactly. Well, this is what he told senators. And again, he's just trying to get a bunch of money. He says, this is Christopher <laughs> Ray again. He says, certainly the domestic terrorism caseload has exploded. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, the international terrorism caseload hasn't subsided. Ray noted that the biggest chunk of racially and ethnically motivated violent extremism the FBI tracks is now favoring white supremacy. And again, great. We've been dealing with white supremacy and the KKK for a long freaking time in I, I this kinda, country. I kind of knew it was the white people. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's not a big <laughs> yeah. There's a reason that if you hit three strikes in baseball, they got to turn the third K around so no one gets the idea that they're, they're at a Klan rally. <laughs> oh, right, right, I mean, right, we've right, been right. dealing with this stuff forever. So it's like these things. I'm not saying we don't have to address yeah, but, the issues of terrorism in this country. Right, right. But the question is, qui bono? Look who is benefiting. Look at these massive corporations mm -hmm. who are benefiting. And at the end of the day, I don't feel like the government should have the ability to what we're talking about here. 
be in every single bar, every single restaurant, every single car in this country. Without a warrant. Without That's another <laughs> great point. Go. And of course, that is going to lead to a whole series of different court cases. And I don't trust the Supreme Court one freaking bit as Amy Coney Barrett is the most psychotic of all of them. And, uh, and of course, she is definitely on the side of a surveillance state. Well, you nailed a very important point right there. As, of course, they didn't take up the Texas abortion ban. That's my... That's mm-hmm. my there right, you go. Right. Well, Christopher Ray is just looking for more money. And we're going to be seeing a lot of this in the next few years because we've we pulled out of Afghanistan, but the military still has a $740 billion budget. They want to keep that budget. Right. And same with the intelligence state, the intelligence agencies. They want to keep their budgets mm-hmm. nice and high. So they have to continue to perpetuate that there is a problem for them to go and solve yeah. so they can get that money. So more to my point. So in combination with this and like the Patriot Act, there is no reason for them to ever need a warrant, right? Because if they suspect you and yeah. they, they can just go to Walmart and get the footage from Walmart. Sure. Right. Here here she is. She's telling us all to fuck off. And uh, she called me a pervert. I'm Jared, the manager. <laughs> <laughs> Something with that name, I guess. Uh, all right. Just lastly, Ray said uh, some of these same people regarding terrorism, some of these same people might have been stewing away in the basement or the attic in a part of the country and mm. not communicating with each other. But today, terrorism moves at the speed of social media. Yikes. He goes, um, you have the ability of lone actors disgruntled in one part of the country to spin up similar like-minded individuals in other parts of the country and urge them into action or inspire them into action. I guarantee you no one inspires anyone into action more than the FBI during a sting operation. (laughs) Uh, Right, right. They're the ones who really get that stuff done. And also, so we are spending more money than ever to track people who seem to be, again, Tracking themselves. Yeah. yeah. So if you know yeah. it's on social media, <laughs> then okay, there you go. You figured it all out. Right. Why do we have all this? Why does it? I can do it for you. Yes, yeah, so that's a very good point. Give me a hundred million bucks. That's all. <laughs> right. That's all. And you, I will find you everyone. I can go on Parler. Parler. I'll go oh, on, on Facebook. Get, what about Gitter? I'll go on Gitter and I'll Twitter. find you some domestic terrorists if you want. <laughs> that's right. Most of the evidence provided for the January 6th cases was provided by other people who were storming the Capitol. <laughs> it's just like they got videos of themselves and they put it on parlor and gator and so on yeah. it's coming from inside the house y'all it really is <laughs> yeah it is it's coming all over our constitution making oh. it one sticky sticky book <laughs> it's just technology it does make things cheaper in some ways we're more connected than we're ever more connected. that's nice i just don't understand how the money goes up when the technology gets better shouldn't it be the other way around Yes, Ben. Shareholders, Ben. We have to have profits for our shareholders. Also, something that sort of tangentially ties uh, military spending, Mm -hmm. domestic spending, Mm -hmm. and uh, military power and surveillance. The Mm -hmm. Democrats, out of a uh, recent funding bill, they have yanked $1 billion uh, to Israel that was going to be sent to Israel for their Iron Dome. And uh, I don't know if we need to be spending another billion dollars on Israel's Iron Dome. So from a fiscal perspective, I'm fine with it. And then also, Israel is very powerful. Yeah. They're rich as hell. Mm-hmm. They're doing just fine. They don't need another billion dollars right. from the United States government again, as we have roads crumbling, economic uh, despair, mm-hmm. uh, education despair. We need so much help here. That billion could go a long way. Invested in a program called Head Start, for example. Mm. <sighs> Knowing the American 
government, they probably want to yank that billion from Israel and then put it right into our surveillance system. So that's just yeah. like, hold on, I want an iron dome. Yeah, I was gonna say, do Texas. we have an iron dome? Hold on, <laughs> here, hey, my my uh, congressional district could use one of the iron domes, there, fellow. Put one in there for me. Yes, and we'll see if any, uh, if this even comes close to passing. Anyway, Republicans have already said the plan to reject the funding package. It includes twenty eight point six billion for uh, in disaster aid, including storm battered red states, as well as six point three billion in funding for Afghan refugees. Uh, when it comes to Afghan refugees, again, we broke it. We buy it. We need to help them. And when it comes to disaster aid. That's one area that the government could be helping people. Mm -hmm. As we see what's going on in Louisiana, Texas, again, mm -hmm. it's not as if weather does not care what your political affiliation is. And a lot of the places getting hammered most are red states. Well, but Pat Robinson told me that the hurricanes were caused by the gays. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's only if they're drunk. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, this is a very interesting uh, case study. Obviously, like you point out, this is part of the Democrats' big pie in the sky, $3.5 trillion yes. spending package. It's meeting a lot of hurdles, including from moderate Democrats, both in the Senate and the House. Absolutely. Um, who don't want to spend that much money. But I agree with you, Ben, that yanking $1 billion that was going to go to Israel, that's probably a good move. For the Democrats, honestly, the people who probably have the biggest problem with it are the Republicans who seem to love giving any type of military aid to other countries. That's why we're totally screwed when it comes to fiscal, any kind of, I don't even want to say conservatism, fiscal rationale. Rationale. It's uh, gone. It is over. Yes. Because every side, of course, wants to butter the bread that they consume in order to stay in power. And the Democrats, of course, are basically putting forward a lot of these spending. And at least to their credit, like you pointed out, they are trying to put some money into actual infrastructure, but also human infrastructure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, every time it's just military spending. It's wasteful military That's the thing, spending. Right? Yeah. They just keep shoving it in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just watched um, Full Metal Jacket yesterday. And it's just a reminder. I mean, obviously, <sighs> a, a, a fictional film, but there is a lot of real. Uh, there's a lot of truth to it as well. Yes. I mean, and, watching, uh, watching. The, the final scene of that movie, I'm not going to ruin it for anyone. Literally, that was like one of the first times I saw it, so I don't want to ruin it. But the scene with Matthew Modine mm. at the very end when he really becomes a killer. Yeah. That shit's crazy. Well, and of course, that movie was based on Vietnam, but you can see that exact same scenario happening in Afghanistan yep. or Iraq. We just turn these folks into killers, and it's all on the government taxpayer dime. Urban rural warfare. Absolutely brutal and chaotic. When booking with other vacation rental apps sounds like this. This place doesn't look like the pictures. Come on, the doors are on back. Whoa, what the? Is there a door behind all those spiders? <laughs> it's time to try one that sounds more like a vacation. <sighs> look at how many spiders there aren't. Where should we lie down for eight consecutive hours first? Relax. You booked a Verbo. All right. Well, speaking of brutal and chaotic and Texas, let's talk oh. a little bit about what's going on with the Haitian uh, migrant situation. I'm sure all of you saw this, but that footage of the migrants being whipped by mm -hmm. people on horseback. What the hell? I'm like, what is this, dude? It's insane. Am I in fucking Django Unchained? Ugh. Like, legitimately, am I in third, no, uh, I you would, know, 12 Years a Slave or whatever? Like, I would prefer to be in Django Unchained. I would, if I had to it's choose. it's more fun, yeah. Although I would, too, what was the other? Antebellum, that was the horror right. movie one. Oh, but right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Like, at some point, don't you, like, look around and be like, oh, yeah, we're whipping, we're whipping black people on horseback. 
at some point, like, don't, I mean, it's, Texas does they this show on you, purpose. They show, I, I watched a different, uh, PBS did a great uh, little expose, and um, I forget what other network I was watching. And you look at these people, man. They're just a lot of children. They're just human beings. Yeah, just yeah. young people. The way that they are demonized and how they're being treated, it's just disgusting. And, and the sad thing is every single fucking network, not to curse, I'm sorry for the kids listening out there, but every single network would cover this if it was Trump. And mm. it would be Trump mm-hmm. is the biggest racist on earth. And I'm like, I ain't going to disagree with you. But hey, let's take a look at the silence is deafening. Right. And Kamala Harris, in my opinion, isn't being held nearly, her feet are not being held nearly enough to the fire because she is supposed to be in charge. Mm-hmm. That's her job. Oh, part right. of her task this force. This is the task force. She is the immigrant task force leader. It's not an easy job, but it's also like being president isn't easy. And if you want to run in 2024, this would have been a great time for right. you to make a resume. Yeah, uh, to resume build so we could say, hey, look at how she handled that southern border crisis. Mm-hmm. I would have no problem seeing her as the uh, office holder for the most powerful position in the world. Vice President Harris on Tuesday condemned the treatment of Haitian migrants at the southern border. And this is what she had to say. She says, what I saw depicted those individuals on horseback treating human beings the way they were was horrible. She goes on, I fully support what is happening right now, which is a thorough investigation into what is going on there. But human beings should never be treated that way. And I'm deeply troubled by it. Well, you know what? You're the vice president. And you're in charge. So when you're deeply troubled, unlike us, you can do something about it. Right. Yeah. So I'm just so happy there's an investigation to see how hard the whips actually. Like, what's right. the investigation? Right, right, right. I mean, and first of all, I mean, like we covered last week, the Haitians are coming from inhumane, war-torn yes. countries that largely our foreign policy led to them wanting to leave in the first place. In addition, of course, to all the horrific uh, natural disasters. But again, talking about imperialism coming in to try and help, we've done the exact opposite of we that. Put, as we talked about, Obama put uh, that fella in off in, in 2011. He resigns in 2016. We got the new fella in there, and then he is assassinated. All with the U.S. fingers in it. Not uh, 100%, but definitely complicit when it comes to the decline of life for the Haitian people. I I lived near the border my whole life. I grew up near the border. Mm-hmm. I have rarely, if ever, seen Border Patrol on horseback. They are yeah. they're one of the most well-funded organizations I've ever seen. They have some of the best vehicles. So to me, this is just a giant PR move. They wanted it to look like this. They need Texas maybe needed it to look like this. Oh yeah, you know because yeah. they showing up with horses on horses with whips. I mean, the imagery, that's it. Right. It reminds me of when pedophile Roy Moore went to go vote for himself. Oh, right. (laughs) On a horse, on a horseback, of course. And again, uh, just briefly here, all of this, when it comes to the aggressive deportations and uh, expulsion of these Haitian immigrants, it's all allowed because of Title 42. Uh, Title 42, of course, was adopted by President Trump, and Joe Biden has done nothing to change that. Hmm. So- as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to immigration, Biden is just as bad as Trump was. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? I mean, right. The, no, the border absolutely. crisis looks worse. I mean, Trump, again, the rhetoric, all of that, he's they're just equally horrible when it comes to solving a very difficult issue. Yeah. But it has to be solved. And as we've talked about, how does that happen? That happens, uh, you know, through proper 
pipelines into society. When it comes to documentation, we have to document people. We need to have a pathway to citizenship. There needs to be so many different things in place like DACA, like programs where, you know, if you have a child in America, they do need to be taken care of because technically at that point, they are a United States citizen mm-hmm. with full constitutional protection. Mm-hmm. There are ways that we can handle this. And what's being done right now, which is solely the stick, literally the whip and no carrot, it doesn't make any sense. Mm. And if you can, you send them back to Haiti, uh, they're just going to come back. Yeah. We need to address the issues as well. But that's, we're not even at the point where we can address the root of the issue. Right now, we're still working on the overflow and the symptoms. And then we have to get to the cure of the disease, which is, again, absolute economic devastation in Haiti that the U.S. has done nothing but increase. Yeah, absolutely. We've made it worse. And we've made it worse under Democrat and Republican presidents. You're absolutely right. Almost Immigration. Like a lot of money. Yeah, right. I mean, immigration is one of those unique areas where, you know, Obama inherits Bush's policies, Biden inherits Trump's policies, Trump inherits Obama's policies. And there never seems to be a good rational way to bring immigrants here legally and easily. And, you know, I have a little I have a little poster up in my room right outside. And you know what it says? Hang in there. No, it says <laughs> the buck stops here. Oh. No president says that when it comes to immigration. Every mm-hmm. single, even mm-hmm. Biden, in almost like a pass the buck kind of way, giving it to Kamala Harris. I was going to say that, and just being like, "Okay, you take care of it. I can't. <laughs> I gotta go to bed." Um, <laughs> even that is sort of saying, ah, "I don't want to deal with it. It's too much of a political hot potato." Mm. That's exactly what I was about to say too. Him giving it to Kamala because uh, Miss, you know, President uh, Vice President Harris seems like people are going a little bit easy on her i feel absolutely uh, he, uh, you know she's the first black female president but that's not a reason to go easy on her she no. should for that reason like you said the people th- who are being whipped aren't like but thank god right, right. <laughs> yeah I, I don't i don't even know what to comment on this because i don't feel like there's there's nothing you can because it's all bad it's there's, just so sad and it's obvious it's all bad everyone knows it's all bad and i guess media is trying to make us think that it's not that bad? According to Chief Ortiz, uh, he has to say, he says, migrants attempting or considering making the journey to our border should know that we are still enforcing Title Mm -hmm. 42. Mm -hmm. He goes on, they will not be allowed to enter the United States. They will be removed and they will be sent back to their country of origin. Our partners in the State Department are working to ensure there is an adequate support when they land in Haiti, which I would assume is more people whipping them on horseback. How expensive is it to get these people out of here? It's more than just letting them in. Letting them in, giving them ITNs and having them be a workforce. It's way more expensive than that. Yeah. Uh, And so anyone who thinks these guys are and gals and children having a great time, it's currently 105 degrees uh, where they're hanging out there. And uh, it just doesn't look like, um, you know, the Haitian people, they're, they're running out of options and it doesn't look like they have any viable options right now. Um, And of course, you just hear stories, you know, about babies and, you know, moms coming over. And those are just the individual stories that can break your heart. But the overall message that the U.S. is sending is that we don't want you here unless you're an improv comedian from Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Good grief, not more of them. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, honestly, we talk about all the time, you know, my, my father's an immigrant, uh, but white immigrants are much. Mm-hmm. Di- it's a di- immigrant mm-hmm. is a is a loaded term in many ways. Uh, people who look Swedish aren't getting pulled over and asked for ID in in uh, Arizona. And of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that 
all the surveillance that is happening along the border, the drones, the cameras, everything they've been doing down there, they are now expanding. And the most, we talk about privilege, the biggest privilege that there is in this country is citizenship. Right. You don't have citizenship, you don't have anything. You got to be able to vote. You got to be able to defend your rights. All the amendments have to be able to protect you, otherwise... You're nothing. And of course, you have these psychopaths. We'll get to Texas here to wrap up in just a second. Crap up in just a second. Mm. Right wing activist Laura Loomer. She's one of these people who. Very anti-immigrant. She would love to legitimately watch like just a 1910s lynching. She would be like, this is great. Mm. She loves it. That's how crazy this woman is. Uh, Of course, she was claiming that COVID wasn't real. And then she got COVID and uh, it looks like she's about to die. I don't freaking know. Um, She just says, just pray for me, please. You know where she wrote that? Where? On Gitter. Oh. Oh, Nice. But you actually know Laura Loomer. I worked with her briefly, yes. And uh, can you just talk a little bit when it comes to, in a, a, uh, obviously, I don't want to make fun of her just because she's a total moron when it comes to COVID. (laughs) Um, This is what she had to say when it comes to COVID. She says, can't even begin to explain how brutal the body aches and nausea are that come with COVID. I'm in so much pain. This is honestly the worst part about it. Okay, I'm sort of happy she's in pain, but that's just... (laughs) me, not schadenfreude at all. She wrote that on Gitter. But when it comes to the Jason Millers, when it comes to Laura Loomers, I mean, the only answer that they have for immigration is basically kill them. Right. I mean, they're they're not people of empathy. That is for sure. Um, When I worked briefly, I'm just going to put that word out there briefly. No, you're an investigative journalist. You were doing work. I was doing work. I was working with James O'Keefe and Laura Loomer also worked uh, for Project Veritas at that time. Um, It was interesting because even all the weirdos in James O'Keefe's office, including myself, and we're all quite weird, thought Laura Loomer was the weirdest person we've ever met. She makes Judge Jeanine Pirro seem like a reasonable judge. Yes. uh, She's very anti-immigrant, very anti-Islam. Obviously, she is uh, Jewish. She has Jewish roots. So she would love something like uh, a billion dollars going to the Iron Dome in Israel. Um, And uh, yeah, just any kind of treatment of people who are different. Um, That is basically what you're looking at with with folks like her. And you know what's so sad, uh, as a Jewish woman, you know, you would would think lessons of the past um, would teach you to be sympathetic towards, again, as we talk about the other. Right. People um, who are I different from you. She also wrote on Parlor, So she's on Gitter <laughs> and Parlor. I'm on Parlor. I'm, I'm on, on Gitter, But you'll never <laughs> find me on no stinking Twitter. Twitter. No, sir. No, sir. Uh, regarding COVID, this is what she wrote. She says, have you ever eaten bad fajitas? That will kill you faster than COVID. Uh, Good. Yeah, what? <laughs> Hold on. I, 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 okay. I look at Facebook. I love me some Facebook. And those of you who have found me on Facebook, uh, thank you for finding me. But uh, I'm still on Facebook and I see a lot of anti Israel COVID reactions, but I, but we're still seeing pro Israel milit, uh, uh, you know, the gymnastics. The, I the just, gymnastics well, have been crazy. Yeah, this is one of Loomer's old posts. She says, I believe when a few years pass, we will see that the vaccines will have killed more people than COVID. <laughs> yeah. oh. She goes on to say in this stupid fucking rant, um, how is a vaccine, quote, saving lives for a virus with a 99.7% recovery rate? A bad case of food poisoning is literally more lethal than COVID. So this, again, is just a reminder. Be careful who you listen to because uh, she's just a fucking idiot talking. Yeah. And you could say the same thing about me. <laughs> uh, you know, at least we try to we try to keep logic in our statements. I she try to has not, lost the thread. I do not try to be a complete hypocrite. 
all yeah, the time, at least. Exactly. She said <laughs> right. in another post, people get COVID and don't even know they have COVID. I knew people who have cancer and are on chemo who got COVID and nothing even happened to them. Uh, oh, okay. Well, that's a great reason to base all of your medical thinking. That's right. a great. That's a, Anyway, she's also on Gitter quite often, apparently. Um, so she loves her get her. And then just lastly, Laura Loomer. Oh, what a psycho. And uh, speaking of psychos, just lastly, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in Texas. Uh, so now Texas is, we are finding out um, how strong this abortion mm-hmm. ban bill is. Uh, Travis alluded to before we started recording, the federal government is challenging this uh, mm-hmm. abortion ban. And strangely enough, one of the complaints comes from a fellow named Alan Braid. He's in Arkansas, okay, which I don't think is Texas. Mm-hmm. And then another fella, it's a uh, San Antonio physician. He is also challenging the abortion bill, rather, in Texas. So what does this really mean going forward? Uh, Braid said he performed the abortion five days after the Texas law went into effect earlier this month because he believed that, quote, it was his duty to care for this patient. So interestingly enough, there's a lawsuit from Arkansas, right? There's Mm -hmm. a student in Arkansas who was suing this San Antonio physician. The San Antonio physician's name is Alan Braid, right? So five days after the abortion ban, Alan Braid uh, performed an abortion because, quote, he believed it was a duty to care for Mm -hmm. his patient. Good. Oscar Stilley, now I believe, again, this dude is in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. He filed a complaint with Bexar County in Texas, and he is requesting that Braid pay $100,000 for violating the Texas abortion law. And, of course, he is also asking for the $10,000 reward. (laughs) This is what Stilley had to say. He wrote in a complaint that Braid, quote, knowingly performed this abortion contrary to the clear and unmistakable provisions of Senate Bill 8. So we're beginning to see... People come at one another. And of course, once you have money on the line, Mm -hmm. that will only increase. Um, And as we talked about, successful lawsuits can receive up to as much as $10,000. Stilly, who is currently in home confinement and serving the 12th year of a 15-year federal sentence for tax evasion (laughs) and conspiracy charges. Seems fun. um, He wrote and, and he wrote that he called the defendant's office on Monday uh, to ask if you would express regret for his actions and agree to not perform additional abortions in violation of the Texas law. So this thing is just freaking getting out of control. This dude is 12 years into a 15-year federal sentence, and obviously he's a little hard up for cash. Right, right. And if somehow he has the moral um, high ground when yeah. it comes to the Texas law. But that is, again, I think part of the point, I mean, we mentioned the federal government is coming after it. Mer- uh, Merrick Garland um, is, uh, has put forward some resistance to this law. And of course, we now see the HHS secretary also pushing back back. Um, but this is the interesting thing about the Texas law, right? It's this vigilante uh, right. component mm-hmm. of it, right? Because, I mean, it's not enough that we now are being surveyed on our phones. Phones to drones. We are completely surveyed at all times. But now Texas is also putting a fun $10,000 incentive for you to tattletale. Or in this case, I believe the doctor wrote an op-ed. He was very public about it. <laughs> yep. He was like daring people to come sue him because, again, I think he thinks this could be a weak part of the law. And uh, again, the irony when it comes to Oscar Stilly, the man serving 15 years for tax evasion, he's not even against abortion. No. Uh, I, I hate this guy for what he's doing, but I love what he's trying to say. You know, he finished the, what is it, 11th season of Friends. He was yeah, 12 years done. in. And then mm-hmm. he's like, how do I start 
stuff. I mean, that's amazing. Stilly, Stilly literally said, this is a quote from Stilly. He says, if the state of Texas decided it's going to give a $10,000 bounty, why shouldn't I get a $10,000 bounty? Mm, there you go. <laughs> it's nothing to do with abortion. No. Nothing. That, oh, that tells you the frivolousness of this law and the, you know, just SBA. Yeah. And we will see what happens. Again, we, we laugh. Otherwise, you'll cry. It's a very serious situation happening in Texas. But if this doesn't shed light on the insanity of this bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oscar Stilley, a man not in Texas, <laughs> a man serving 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, he needs 10,000. And this is a way. That he can get it. It's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. You guys, I got a way for us to make 10K. Yeah. Oh, yeah? One of us has to go do something in Texas. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Texas is lucky they don't have a PA system over the whole state because Beth McGrath should jump on there Absolutely. and be like, fuck this. Fuck you. Jared, you're a pervert and I'm out. All right, everyone. Well, hang in there, y'all. We got to get through this together, and we will. I can't wait to see you all very soon on the road. And, um, yeah, we'll be back again with another episode a little bit later on this week. But hope everyone is healthy and uh, doing as well as you can out there. All right, everyone. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.